Well, good morning, everyone. Whether you are in the room, joining us in line, online, just welcome. Glad that you are here with us today. As we get started off this morning, I want you to think about your relationships. And and if you're married, not just your marriage, uh, but maybe your marriage. And on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate the health of your relationships? Now, don't answer that out loud because if you're like an eight and the person next to you is like a three, that could create a really awkward experience for everyone. Uh, So just think about those relationships. How healthy are they? Think about your friendships, your neighbors, your coworkers, business partners, roommates, family. How healthy are your relationships? We're kicking off a new series today called The Space Between Us. Last month, we looked at our relationship with our money, which is a stress point in in a lot of our lives. And for many of us, I think relationships with others is like right up there too. Relationships just have a way of kind of consuming us. Imagine that we all have healthy relationships that we would look at and we would say are firing on all cylinders, they're good, they're healthy, but we probably also have relationships that there's like some tension. It's not where we wish that it would be. There's some space between you. Maybe there's some tension around unresolved conflict. Something happened weeks ago, months ago, maybe even years ago, and you still haven't fully overcome it yet. Things between you just haven't been the same. Maybe there was an argument, and, and instead of working it out, you both just, you know, apart from each other, you, you swept it underneath the rug, hoping that it would go away. But man, the dirt is still there, and whenever you run into them, you see them, you're together with them, you just feel like ah, there's something between us. There's this gap between us. Maybe the preacher wore an IU shirt the day after beating your favorite team. And there's a gap between us now. <laughs> and maybe you are holding a grudge against someone for something that they have done and you're just having a hard time forgiving them. You're wondering if you can trust anyone anymore after what they put you through. I know a lot of people who are afraid to own up to something that they did. They know that they were in the wrong, but they feel like if they, if they admit it, that they won't be loved anymore. That's, that's scary. That's something that all of us want is to know that we are fully known and fully loved. And, and you might be thinking, man, if I... If I If I confess this or if I admit to it, I don't know that I'm going to be loved. And so what Satan is doing for you is what he has done from the very, very beginning. He's making you hide in guilt and shame. And it is putting a gap and a space in your relationship in ways that you can't even imagine, but you feel it. And my guess is that the other person feels it too. When things happen... It creates a space between us. There is this gap that forms, and that gap has a way of 
weighing on our hearts and our minds, that that space consumes us and it keeps us up at night, replaying conversations in our head, wishing that things could be different, maybe even thinking, man, if I could just sit down with that person and and this is exactly what I would say and they would see how right I am and how wrong they are. There's this heaviness that we feel when there is a gap in our relationships and space between us and someone that we love. That's why a friend of mine out in Colorado likes to say, we are only as happy as our relationships are healthy. Think about that. We are only as happy as our relationships are healthy. When there is tension in a relationship, it affects us. It affects us and takes a toll on our lives. It takes an effect on our mental and our emotional health. There's a physical toll that conflict takes in our bodies. It affects our spiritual health as well. Unfortunately, as it does in all things, God's word is wisdom for life. And it gives us instruction and direction and advice on how to have healthy relationships. And so that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And today we are going to start in Philippians chapter 2. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn there with me. Philippians chapter 2. And what I hope that we're going to see in our time together today around this just really important topic of relationships is that the gospel gives us the power to close the gap between us. The gospel gives us the power to close the gap between us. The good news of Jesus and who he is and what he's done and the transformation that it is bringing to us, the gospel and a life shaped by it, gives us the power to close the gaps that so easily and often form between us. Now this letter that we're looking at today, it's written to this church in Philippi. And if you're a student of, of Scripture, uh, you may like, do word association, and whenever you hear the, the letter of Philippians, uh, you immediately think of the word joy. The two really do go hand in hand. Uh, Paul is rejoicing even in the midst of some difficult situations that he's in. And that rejoicing and that joy is evident in these four chapters of this short letter. But I think that there's another reason why Paul is writing this letter to this church at this time. He's heard that there is some conflict going on within the church. (gasps) Can you believe it? (laughs) Church people aren't getting along. I'm so glad, so glad that we have grown past all of that. There's some conflict that has, that has come up, and, 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 and he even calls out two of the people that are involved in that conflict in chapter 4. I think it would be unfair to pin the entire thing on them. I think that, that we see that there is this underlying current of conflict between followers of Jesus. There is gaps that have formed within people within the church and their relationships. There is space between these early followers of Jesus who have been transformed by the gospel, and they are filling that space with anger and bitterness and resentment. And so Paul writes this letter, and and as much about joy, he writes this letter as a letter pleading for unity within the church. But joy and unity kind of go hand in hand, don't they? When your relationships are healthy, 
It certainly brings uh, an amount of joy and happiness to your life. We're only as happy as our relationships are healthy. And in our text, Paul lays out how we can experience the joy of healthy relationships. And it's the exact opposite of how we see the world function. I want to go, before we get to Philippians chapter 2, I want to go back up just a few verses. Philippians 1, starting in verse 27. Paul says, whatever happens, and we're going to touch on that here in just a little bit. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He roots our conduct and how we are to respond and act to one another in the gospel. And then he goes on and he says, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Now, earlier in chapter 1, Paul talks about being in chains uh, for his faith in Christ and, and how there is this very real possibility that he is about to lose his life at the hands of uh, some Jewish leaders and the Roman government. And, and he's probably thinking, this is going to create a major gap uh, between this church that I love and those who demand his life because of his faith. But notice, Paul says, whatever happens to me, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. That, that phrase, conduct yourself, it is one word in Greek. It's a political term, and it means citizenship. And so Paul is saying... Whatever happens to me and whatever gap it creates between you and the people who carry it out, don't conduct yourselves as Romans. Don't conduct yourselves as Philippians. Conduct yourselves as followers of Jesus and citizens of heaven because that is who you are through the gospel of Christ. And so act like it. In other words, don't mimic the way that the world handles conflict. Don't seek revenge. Don't hold a grudge. Don't try to get even. Don't settle the score. If you have an issue with someone, don't go into an outburst of anger and talk about them. Rant on social media. <laughs> don't mimic the way the world handles conflict. Because by the grace of Jesus and the power of the gospel at work in you, you are not a citizen of this world. You are a citizen of heaven. And so mimic Jesus and follow his example. And so how does a citizen of heaven and a follower of Jesus handle conflict and the gaps that it creates? Look at chapter 2, verse 1 with me. Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Paul's like, listen, if Jesus has done anything in you, if Jesus has done anything for you, if you are united with him, then it ought to be seen in the way that you treat others, the way that you live with them, even in the way that you handle conflict with them. 
If we are being transformed by the gospel, the gap in our vertical relationship has been closed and that ought to influence what happens when there's gaps in our horizontal relationships too. That our love for Jesus and each other and even our enemies as Jesus instructs ought to drive us towards closing the gaps that form between us. And the world says to make them wider The gospel compels us to close them. The gospel compels us to strive for the good of others, not just ourselves. It compels us to be like-minded, which literally means to mind the same thing, so that when there is a gap between us, we are minding that gap together. We are going to talk to each other, not about each other. The gospel compels us to look after our own interest but also the interest of others. And Paul's not saying that we should not care about ourselves and what happens. He's saying make sure that your concern is wide enough to include others as well, not just yourself. The truth is space will grow and gaps will form in every single relationship we are in. It is inevitable. It's going to happen. We're humans. By pursuing this wisdom that Paul lays out here and the unity and the good of others, we can narrow those gaps to the best of our ability. And some really practical byproducts of that kind of life is listening to understand instead of trying to be understood. It's empathy. It's really trying to feel what someone else is feeling, especially if what they're feeling is because of something that you caused. It's doing the right thing for the other person, especially when it's hard. And we may look at that and say, well, that's impossible. And Paul's like, yeah, I know, which is why we need Jesus, because we cannot do this on our own. I want to read this next section. And as I do, I just invite you to listen for characteristics that Jesus displayed that might help us when it comes to closing the gaps in our own relationships. He says in verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this early Christian hymn, it, it captures the gospel so beautifully and it gives us a model based on Jesus for what to do when there is a space that forms between us, when a gap happens in our relationships. And so followers of Jesus who want to close the gap in their relationships, number one, they think of others. 
That Jesus didn't hang on to his rights as God and all of the things that he deserved. He gave them up. He laid them down for us. He put us first. And if we want healthy relationships, we have to think of the needs of others, not just our own. We have to be willing at times and in, and in healthy ways to, to put our own rights down for the good of another person in the relationship. If they want to close the gaps in relationships, it also requires serving others. Jesus modeled this so perfectly. Humility was a defining characteristic of Jesus' life and his ministry. And you've probably heard it said that true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And healthy relationships require you to think of yourself less and the other person more, looking for ways that you can serve them and not just that they can serve you. If you want to close the gap in your relationships, it requires sacrificing for others. Jesus laid down his life. Sacrificing for the sake of a relationship may mean laying down my pride and confessing my mistake, owning my responsibility instead of deflecting it or defending it or blaming Sacrificing might mean choosing to forgive even though the pain is deep and I might have to choose to forgive again and again and again. And this is not the way that the world treats those who have hurt them, who have created a gap. It is not the way of the world, but it is the way of Jesus. And when we follow his way, we glorify God. Like when we have this desire to close the gaps in our relationships, we glorify God because it is a reflection of a father who has closed the gap in our relationship with him. And Paul says that when we put this into practice and we allow the gospel to inform how we handle conflict, it will close even the widest gaps between us. And he says this a little bit later on in chapter 2 then you will be able to shine like stars among them in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. People notice, people notice when we handle conflict differently. And so how can we actually live this out? I want to touch on a couple of things this morning as we wrap up, but we are going to get super practical throughout this entire series. Uh, but again, if you really want to close the gaps in your relationships, the gospel is our model. Not only does the gospel give us the power to close the space between us, it actually shows us how to do it. And it comes down to one word that is super important in gospel, and it is reconciliation. Reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5.18 says that God reconciled us to himself through Christ. Romans 5.1 says, since we have been justified, since we have been made just as if we have never sinned at all, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus and our faith in him, God reconciles us back to him. He brings us back into a right relationship with him. And because of our sin, there is animosity between us and God. The scripture says that we are actually God's enemies. There is a gap that exists and there is a space between us, but we can find peace and reconciliation through Jesus. And there's three things that come together to make that happen. 
confession, admitting our sin and our need for forgiveness. Repentance, turning from that sin pattern and towards a new relationship and a way of life. And then forgiveness that is freely offered by the Father who took the punishment that we deserved onto his Son, who bore it for us so that we can be forgiven. We can be reconciled to the Father. And when you have those things, then you can experience reconciliation. And so in our faith, confession plus repentance plus forgiveness equals reconciliation with God. These three things come together to bring peace in our relationship with God. They close the gap that our sin created. And God alone made the way for all of this to happen through Jesus, but we respond in faith by confession and repentance. We together? What is true about the gospel is also true about our relationships with others, too. For reconciliation to even be possible in our relationship, it takes confession plus repentance plus forgiveness. And when you have those three things, then you can find reconciliation with others. And so here's what I mean. Let's say I do something uh, intentionally or unintentionally that hurts you. A gap has been created, and there is now this space between us. If I ignore it, if I justify it, if I get defensive, if I keep doing it, if I turn the blame on you, if I do any of these things, can we truly be reconciled? No. We, we can be amicable towards one another. We can maybe even be friendly but we can't truly be reconciled, even if you forgive me, because there will always be this unaddressed thing between us. It's always going to linger in that gap. Or if I'm like, hey, I, I am so sorry for what I did. I know that my actions were hurtful. Um, I promise I will do better next time. Can you forgive me? And you're like, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to forgive. The pain was too deep. Are we reconciled? No. There's still a gap between us. True reconciliation requires confession, taking responsibility for the harm that was done and the gap that was created and turning from it instead of continuing in it. It requires forgiveness and the courage to be able to forgive and let go of an offense. And when confession and repentance and forgiveness come together, only then can we experience true reconciliation in a relationship. Anything less than that, and there will always be a gap. And I just want to give a quick disclaimer, not just for today, but for this entire series. What we're talking about in here are those ordinary, run-of-the-mill offenses, those things that happen in every relationship that we're in, because again, every relationship is going to experience some kind of space, some kind of gap from time to time. But I know that in a room like this, there are people filtering what I'm saying through your experience of abuse. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. There have been things done to you and you have been made to feel like you have to forgive and forget. 
you've maybe been told, you can't bring this up for the good of the family. You have to keep it to yourself. You have to bury it. Worst of all, someone may have used faith to make you feel guilty for wanting and needing to tell someone. They've used faith to justify putting you in a harmful situation. And hear me when I say reconciliation looks much different in situations like these. And there are people who love you, who want to walk with you, so you don't want to alone. And if you need someone to talk to, please, please let us help. Find me, find someone that you feel like you can trust here and let us come alongside you and, and help you find freedom from that. The, the, the greater, maybe broader point that, that I'm making for us in this series and today is for those ordinary gaps. And, and the point is this, reconciliation is only possible when both people do their parts. Reconciliation is only possible when both people do their part. It's like if you and I got together to bake cookies. And I said, I will bring um, the sugar and the butter and the chocolate chips, and you bring the flour and the baking soda and the eggs. Um, if we are going to make cookies, we both have to be willing to add our ingredients that we are holding. If, if you add yours, but I'm like, nope, I'm just going to hang on to mine, we're not making cookies. We're, we're making a mess. And whatever happens when there is a gap in a relationship, someone is holding the ingredients of confession and repentance, and someone else is holding the ingredients of forgiveness. And reconciliation is only possible when both people add their parts. But what if they don't? What if you are willing to add your part, but the other person is not willing to add theirs? Short answer. You cannot reconcile a relationship on your own. You can't. You can only do your part. Man, I don't know. That might, be, that might be the exact freeing thing that you need to hear today. Because you're living under the weight of thinking you have to be the one that pulls the relationship together. You have to be the one that's making things right. Man, you cannot pursue reconciliation on your own. You can only do your part. And so your goal in that situation is to do what you can do and make it possible for reconciliation to happen if and when the other person becomes willing to do their part too. And we're going to talk a lot more about that over the next few weeks. But I want to close with this. Our example in this is Jesus. The gospel is the perfect model of how we can close the gaps and the spaces that form between us. And Paul says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while there was still a gap between us and God caused by our sin, Christ died for us. God added his ingredient to make a way for reconciliation to happen, hoping that one day we will add ours to. Healthy relationships start and end with Jesus. The gospel gives us the power to close the space that forms between us, but it starts truly when we close that space between us and God through Jesus. And if you're ready to do that today, Scott's going to come back up and share how we can
do that. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace, for the wisdom of your word and how it still applies to our lives and our relationships. Lord, what we are talking about in this series is heavy and it is hard. I know that there is a lot of pain that is in this room around this topic. Lord, I pray first and foremost that you will bring healing in only the way that you can and that you will teach us from your word how to close those gaps in ways that we can to find and to live and experience healthy relationships. But God, thank you that you led the way through Jesus and that while we were still sinners, while there was still a gap between us, you chose to do what you could do to close it. We are grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.